This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Steelers and Bengals this Sunday in Cincinnati, 1 o'clock kickoff. Big, big game for both teams. Honestly, the winner will be set off onto a path towards the playoffs. The loser might be heading home and to the beach a little bit earlier than expected this year. So you got to get it done if you're the Steelers. It's a revenge game for the Steelers as they lost Week 3's matchup to the Bengals at Heinz Field. Don't want your AFC North rival coming into your stadium and beating you. So you got to go return the favor now in their stadium this Sunday. So how do they do that? Well, Jacob Recht and myself, Thomas Opperman, are going to tell you that right now on this episode. And let's start with the Steelers' defense. Minka activated from the COVID list. That's good news. TJ Watt limited in practice all week. Hopefully, that's just so that they can keep him fresh-ish for the game against Cincinnati. Need to see him come back. But Joe Hayden also returned on Thursday's practice limited. So if you can get Hayden, Minka, and Watt back, you're cooking with gas all of a sudden again on that defensive side of the ball. And I don't know if you'll have 100% TJ. I don't know if you'll have 100% Joe. I don't know if you'll have 100% Minka with dealing with COVID. Excuse me. You never know. But I take those guys. I take them at 60% yeah. than the guys that played against the Chargers in that game. It, it was a bad showing on defense against the Chargers, Tom. Except There's, if your name was Cam Hayward. Right. Maybe even Cam Sutton as well. Sure. If your name was, was Cam, you had a decent job. It was a bad day for the rest of the guys, though. And. It's hard to really put the blame on them when the people filling in are just that. They're fill-ins. They're not expected to be starting, especially when they're behind someone like Mika Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, and TJ Watt. Now the fill- I, I, I don't want to be – sorry, go ahead. No. The fill-ins had to play against Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. Justin <laughs> Herbert. Justin, Justin Herbert with his feet and his arm. It didn't go well against that receiving core. Might be a better receiving core this week against the Bengals. I don't know if it is yet. I'm ready to say Jamar Chase is better than Williams and Allen, though, at this very oh, Mike, moment. Mike Williams, for sure. Keenan Allen, give it maybe one more year. Okay. I'd, I'd, be do that. I'd be happy to do that. Tyler Boyd, obviously, isn't as good as either of those two, but he's really good. And then you have T. Higgins, so... That's the difference. The Chargers had two. These guys have three. Right. That's a difference. It's kind of kind of weird how these teams are very similar to each other. They have legitimate receiving options. They have a really good running back. And and the Chargers had no tight end. I mean, Jared Cook, whatever. He's like 48 years old. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's having somewhat of a good year with a good quarterback in Justin Herbert. But I but, think Uzama's more of a big play threat. Yeah, the thing is though, it's it's only in big plays. Yeah, he I don't I don't he doesn't see think him and dunk you down the field. Exactly, I don't see him having consistent numbers. He had that really big game early on in the season. I think it was like a Thursday night or a Monday night game. I think he lit up the Ravens in that game that they destroyed Maybe. them in. I think he had two touchdowns for like forty plus yards each. But that's it. I mean, I I couldn't tell you another highlight real moment from him all year long. But that's where the the parallels. Are, are starting is the fact that you have this really good young quarterback, a really good capable running back, and then receiving options for you. I guess the only difference is the fact that the rate the, the the Bengals have three, whereas the Chargers had two. But I think the combination, by far and away, of T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd far outduels Mike Williams and his individual efforts. 
And the beauty about those two, as it relates to Jamar Chase, is it doesn't give teams the opportunity to just take Chase out of the ballgame because you can't. Because if Chase is going to draw double, triple coverage, Burrow is too good of a quarterback to not to, to know not to throw into that. And he's just going to keep going to Boyd. He's going to keep going to Higgins, Uzama, mixing out of the backfield. Like he's got enough options outside of Chase that he can trust to get the ball to. So. I think the fact that you're seeing Chase have a dominant rookie season is a lot to do with him being a dominant type of player, but it also has a lot to do with you're in a great spot. I mean, you got guys that can take attention away from you and you've got a quarterback that knows what he's doing. So when you have that kind of a perfect storm, it just, they all work in cohesion together and it makes one of the most formidable wide receiver rooms in the entire NFL. The Steelers have done a really good job this year, when healthy on defense, and you need to add that caveat, when healthy, of taking away the team's perceived best weapon. You saw that happen with Stephon Diggs uh, against the Bills. Right. Uh, you know, Rodgers and, and Adams and, and Jones, they, they didn't do much against the Steelers. Like It was a kind of a pedestrian performance for the Packers in that game. The Browns game, they took out Nick Chubb. Um, you know, the Raiders game, they completely blanketed Darren Waller. I mean, they've done this really well all year long, but who's the guy for Cincinnati? Like, who's the guy you point to and you say, well, that's the guy you need to neutralize and you need to shut down. I mean, is it Chase? Potentially, but Joe Mixon's been their best offensive player for the past couple of weeks. So is it Mixon? Well, then you're just leaving Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase open to do their thing. So the bank, the Bengals got a lot of balance on that offense and, I don't know if it's necessarily just a matter of take away their best player and you win the game because their best player gets taken away and they got four or five other options that are really, really yeah. good and capable of getting the job done. Does it remind you of the Pittsburgh Steelers from five years ago? Yes, it does. Because With Brown ben, and- ben at the time was able to air it out no matter how, how deep the ball was going. And Ben was smart enough to know, well, if, if A.B. has this kind of coverage on him where it's zone, but two guys are, are going to be dealing with him, or if it's man coverage and it's legitimate two-man coverage on him, I'm, I don't have to throw to him. I have Le'Veon Bell in my backfield. I have capable receivers elsewhere on the field. And that's exactly what the Bengals are doing. They, they recognize, as we said in a, our previous episode, Tom, each team in the AFC North has an identity. It's just the Pittsburgh Steelers are the only ones on offense to struggle to come to terms with theirs. But the Bengals play right into that narrative. They know exactly what to do. They know exactly how they should operate as an offense. And luckily, they have this quarterback in Joe Burrow. He's capable of leading that kind of offense for them. I would take away Joe Mixon in this game. I think the Bengals are starting to figure out that when they run that offense through Joe Mixon, that's their best bet. That's their best shot at playing winning football. 123 yards on the ground against the Raiders last week for Mixon. Uh, scored a touchdown. That's seven straight games now he's found the end zone. Uh, he's nine total rushing touchdowns on the season. He's got like 790 or 780 and some change rushing yards total on the year. That's right around top five in the NFL. He's decent out of the backfield, even though the Bengals probably don't use him enough out of the backfield to my liking. So uh, I think that's the guy you key on. Last week was the first time in Burrow's career as a starter for the Bengals that they ran for more yards of offense than they threw for on offense. So I, I think they're starting to see the straw that stirs this drink is Joe Mixon. If you can run this offense through Joe Mixon, it makes life a lot easier for Burrow and the wide receivers as well. So I think if you're the Steelers, the number one priority here is to stop the run. Great news. They're amazing at that. I mean, they're just world beaters lately at stopping the run. 
126 yards per game on the ground. They give up four gains of 10 or more yards per game. That's four times a running back takes the ball and goes for at least 10 yards in a football game, a single game, not a week, not two weeks, a game. They've been a really bad rush defense. You could argue lately they've been one of the worst rushing defenses. I mean, they give up 200-plus yards to the Lions before the fourth quarter even hit. So it's unfortunate that the best mode of attack is to stop Mixon and stop the run because they're just so abysmal. I would love it if the Bengals were just a pass-heavy team because even though the secondary's had some problems, I'd honestly rather take that risk than have them pound the ball down our throats all game long. The problem with taking away Joe Mixon, as you said, you would like to – make that the strategy here for this Sunday is a, I don't know if they can do it. And then B, if that's your, that's your plan, then you still are not doing enough to stop Jamar chase and that Joe Burrow connection. And that could be extremely deadly to this past defense. So I, I think it's a crapshoot, Tom. I understand where you're coming from. Get back on track with this run defense. Not only are you bad at stopping, but we know the issues with tackling all the broken tackles that, opposing running backs have had against the Steelers defense has been one of the more embarrassing moments to to look back on through the se- through the course of the season so far. And I just don't know if they are going to be able to stop Joe Mixon. And if they plan to stop Joe Mixon, if that's plan A, you're leaving Jamar Chase to, to kind of torch you because you, you weren't giving him enough attention. And that's why you need your secondary to get healthy. Uh, I just saw a tweet that said that Minka Fitzpatrick said he, quote, feels good after being on the COVID-19 list and now is activated for this game against the Bengals. So little feels good, but it won't mean anything until he takes the field and he, and he plays well. At least he's playing though. I think that's oh yeah. a foregone conclusion that he's going to play in the game. And there was, there was no other than him possibly testing positive again. He had a bunch better window of return than, than Big Ben did for the Chargers game. So, Hopefully you get Minka back in that fold. It looks like you're going to get Minka back. What kind of Minka are you going to get back? That's the biggest question. But you need him because he just segued into, even if you stop Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase and even Higgins and Boyd, for that matter, can really do a lot of damage against the secondary. And I got to be honest with you, even a Joe Hayden that's 100% healthy, I don't know if he can keep up with a guy like Jamar Chase anymore at his advanced age. So now you add an injury on top of Hayden's plate and – Still don't know if he's going to play or not, but if he does, it won't be at 100%. I just, I don't know. It does not look good. But this is typically how it goes, right? Like, we sit here and we we look at all these factors and we say, doesn't look like they're going to be able to stop Mixon. It doesn't look like they're going to be healthy enough to stop Chase and Burrow for a full 60 minutes or or Higgins and Boyd and Burrow mm-hmm. for a full 60 minutes. Like, doesn't look like this. It doesn't look like that. And then they go out and they pitch, like, a 10-point allowed game with three turnovers. They sack the hell out of Burrow. Like, it's weird, and it's not just the Steelers. It is the Steelers for the past decade that does this, but it's the entire NFL this year that's doing this. It doesn't seem to really care about logic or rhyme or reason whatsoever, but that is the rhyme or reason and the logic behind it is that there's just too much on this offense for a Steelers defense that even though the pieces will be back in place, they won't be a fully 100% defense health-wise. I just don't think they can stop them, especially when they're operating in Paul Brown Stadium at their home turf. I mean, they were able to come into Heinz and get it done. Imagine how much easier it's going to be for them to operate in front of their own home crowd. Yeah. This is... It's a scary game. And for whatever reason, I still think the Steelers are going to win. But everything on paper tells me they should lose. 
It absolutely does because the way the Steelers, and we'll get to the offense versus the Bengals defense in a little bit here, but the way the Steelers have been playing odd defense in tandem with the way that the Bengals have been putting up points, granted, other than that that Cleveland game, because even though they lost to the Jets, I think the final score of that game was like 33-30. to 30. They're still putting up points, even in losses. And that's something that the Steelers have not been able to stop opposing teams from doing. And in tandem with the way the Steelers have been operating on offense, there's only been one game, Tom, where you've said, well, look at that offense. Look how good it can be. And that came just last week. And the only time the Steelers have put up 24 points in the fourth quarter of franchise history, right? Yeah. I think I think I saw points. something like it was up until that point, like the most they had done was 21 in like 1983. So you're going to go another, what, 35 years or something like that before you see that kind of fourth quarter performance from this team. That just shows you how rare it was. You flip over to the offensive side of the ball, and Ben Roethlisberger had his best week of the season against the Chargers after not practicing and dealing with COVID and having symptoms at the beginning of his COVID spell, self-reporting, being out for the Lions game, and at the midnight hour, coming back for the Chargers game. And he almost throws for 300 yards, and he has three touchdowns, and he looks good doing it. And he only, he only had one ball, I remember, that could have been picked off by Derwin James, and it was actually caught. But luckily, he was out of bounds, couldn't get both feet in. So you pass the ball in this game, or you still try to run the ball? Like that's where I'm at because although I'll, ben, I'll, I'll, ben I'll give you, great, I'll give you, I'll give you one guess as to what I think the Steelers are. They're going to pass game. the ball. Yes, they're going to pass the ball. It might not be the worst idea though because the Bengals are really good against the run. Even if they were 32nd or 31st or 29th, they still pass the ball. They're still going to pass the ball, Tom. They are, and even though the Bengals are whatever they are at. Uh, fifth, sixth, fourth, whatever. But they, I, I know for a fact they only give up 98 yards per game on the ground. E- even if that is the case, you have to still try to run the ball against them. You just have to. It's just the best way to get this offense moving down the field is through Najee and through that running game. But again, how can you be optimistic when your offensive line could barely move the 150-plus yards per game Chargers defense around to move the 98 yard per game Bengals defense around. Like that's a, that's an uneducated guess or an uneducated thought. If you sit here and say that, Oh, they're, they're going to be able to run the ball over the Bengals. Ah, no problem at all. Not just going to have a big game, 150 yards on the ground, maybe another 70 total with the, uh, with the passing game. Oh, no problem. Like, that is an ignorant thing to You're say. You're just lying to You're yourself. You're lying to yourself. And maybe he does go off for 150 yards and maybe they do have the Bengals defense come a little bit back down to earth. But I, again, on paper, I'm not optimistic about that matchup. And on top of that, teams only choose to run the ball against the Bengals like 37% of their snaps. It's like one of the lowest in the end. Like teams not only can't run against the Bengals this year, they just are like, F it, we're not going to run against the Bengals this year. So guess who loves all of that the is sound a of that, perfect Tom. storm for Canada, right. Ben, and the Steelers' offense. Guess who, guess who, who has been. I'm sure has seen that and says, well, <laughs> I got to do nothing different this week, right? That's what I've been doing all season long is just saying, well, the run won't work on this one play, so I guess that means it won't work for the rest of the game, so let's just say screw it and we won't go to it. It's worrisome that that's going to actually end up being the case again this week um, because the Bengals have dudes in the secondary too, like Von Bell and, and Jesse Bates especially are pretty good players back there, so... It's not like they're awful against the pass, but 
yeah, I I could see the Steelers game plan being 70-30 in the passing department again this week. And that's a huge mistake. But even if that is the case and they are run pass, 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 you have got to run the ball if you get down to first and five from the goal or four, first and eight from the goal. Like you have got to run in some goal line situations. If you want to pass on third down after running on first and second failed, then I'm not going to criticize you there but at least try to run the ball on first and second down. So if you want to pass your way all the way down the field, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But once you get to that red zone, that goal line, goal-to-go situation, you got to try to plunge it in at least twice. Like, you just have to. That's It's, it's, it's malpractice to not. On first down, I, 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 I can't stand to see Ben sitting in the backfield alone in the shotgun formation. That, I, I think... A gag reflex would occur if I saw that. Why can't you be creative and, like, start him out like that, spread everybody out wide, and then have the defense kind of spread out to cover it? And then you just wave Najee in, wave a tight end in, go under center. And then all of a sudden the defense has to switch things up. They have to cover this gap now. They have to condense their defense. scrambling. Exactly. Like, why not do some of that? Like, why not? You see it in college all the time. Like You saw it on this team. When there was when there were when there was A B and, and Le'Veon Bell in the field, oh my God, the creativity they used to have at the goal line and anywhere on the field mm-hmm. was just immaculate. And Todd Haley did a good job running that offense and getting the most out of all of those playmakers. They don't have those type of playmakers right now, but you're just not seeing anything from this offensive coordinator. I mean, are they up pre-snap motion than they were last year? Yeah. Are they up motion during the snap than they were last year? Yeah. Is Ben under center more? It's slightly, but yeah, he is under center more. It's more than last year, but it's it wasn't hard to to increase that number from what it was last year. Yeah, so you see some of the things starting to like come into the fold, but like it's almost like every week we see a jet sweep or something Canada-ish do well, and we're like, oh, you know what? That looked like Matt Canada's offense. I think they're starting to open up a little bit. They almost tried to do it again the next week, and the other team was like... <laughs> We saw that last week. And I think the jet sweeps that Ray Ray McLeod ran against the Lions, I think they looked at the Bears game and they were like, we saw Chase Claypool run these plays like five times in this week, and he ain't Chase Claypool, Ray Ray McLeod. So I just don't – I think that there's a couple of things he does well, Canada, Mm -hmm. but like once the other team figures him out, there's no real adaptation from him or evolving of that scheme for him. It's just, well, this is what we do, so let's just do it. When you do it – when you run a, a creative play once per game and it's the only trick you have up your sleeve. They're going to sniff it out. Of course. And, and the two that always come to mind for this team are just the typical jet sweeps to either Claypool or Ray Ray for some God knows what reason. And then that that play that we saw uh, when the Steelers were up 3 nothing, or maybe it was 7-3 to three at that point in favor of the Chargers, and they had driven all the way down the field. They decided to go for it on fourth down. They do that quick little shovel pass to Pat Fryermuth, right? We yeah. saw a lot of that. I love the, that play. And the Juju's and the Juju and A B era. We saw that play work, I think, ninety percent of the time because that was just one play that they had. Now it's one of only two plays that I can I can think of that I I am familiar with on this offense. Because I, I don't think I've seen anything else creative wise other than those two plays. And when that, those are the only two plays you run. The defense is going to be able to recognize the formation, recognize the pre-snap movement, 
and 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 stop that play from from producing any type of yardage or points scored on the board. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing I'd like to see Matt Canada do a little bit more of is set up some tight end stuff in the middle of the football field. Is Ben unwilling to throw the ball in the middle of the field? I don't know. It's kind of a chicken or the egg thing right now at this point. But why? Why is that though? I don't know. Because that's all he did last year. They Tom. need to put Pat Firemuth in ten to fifteen yards down the field in the middle of the field. And another thing that I've really liked, and it's worked a lot when they've used it. Those kind of Odell Beckhamish screens, or not mm. screens, slants with Deontay Johnson. I mean, he catches those, and as long as he holds on to the ball, that that play is is guaranteed for twenty yards. Anytime I see a little bit of space in the second level, say the linebackers maybe creeping up a little bit because they're thinking run, and the secondaries maybe back a little bit or something like that. Anytime there's space, I would be hot routing into one of those slants all day long because I don't think I've seen a defensive back that's been able to stay with Deontay on that and. The bank, the Steelers really were going to win that Lions game on another one of those slants if the quarterback was able to hit him. No, the quarter that, that was the one where it was just. Oh, right I'm sorry. I, I thought you meant the, he's the he's taken and... that one to the house mm -hmm. if Mason Rudolph can give it to right. him on the numbers. So those slants work out really well. It iced the Browns game for them. It got a huge gainer against the Chargers. Keep going to that well. I mean, keep getting the ball in his hands with a lot of speed behind him because. Not a lot of people in the NFL can keep up with Johnson. I don't know if anyone can right now. We haven't seen a single defender be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him once he makes that first break. And then there's all the likelihood in the world that he's going to make a second move on you to create even more space and get an additional 10 to 15 yards. The guy, the guy is just so masterful in the middle of the field. I tweeted about this yesterday, Tom. I was drinking a couple beers yesterday with my family, mm. and it was in the middle of the, uh, I believe at the time, it was partially into the, the Cowboys and Raiders game. And I, I just started watching on my phone some Deontay Johnson highlight reels, and I said, I'm drinking and just appreciating the play of Deontay Johnson. Because I don't know if it gets the recognition of the league that it so rightfully deserves. But yeah, I mean... There's no reason for the Steelers to ignore that aspect of his game. That That is why he can be a pro bowl or maybe even a, a second-team all-pro receiver in this league. His hands, we, we know that that problem was fixed. It's almost like the Chris Boswell thing where Chris Boswell had that really bad year in 2018. Yeah, Deontay Johnson just had a couple bad games last year. And ever since, he's shown no indication that he has gotten anywhere close to being in the – being in his head or getting the case of the yips anywhere anywhere near that of where it was in twenty nine or in twenty twenty last year. When he gets the ball, Tom, I expect it to be at, at least a first down because his ability to separate and his acceleration I think is unmatched right now. I think it was a great comparison by you to 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 make that one to Odell Beckham because when he was a rookie, when he was and the first couple of years in the league, when he was on the Giants, he was better than anyone at doing so. Right now, I think it's Deontay Johnson and and no one else in that neighborhood. With that all being said, the offense needs to go through Najee Harris as much as possible. He 
makes up the most percentage of their yards gained. With I mean, that all being said, but I, I, it doesn't. I don't know if it, the Steelers and Matt Cannon are going to be able to to say. Well, with all that being said about how great Deontay Johnson is and how great Chase Claypool is as a deep threat and how great Pat Frymuth is as a reliable pass option for Ben, I think they're going to say, "Well, we've just said that, so why not use it?" Yeah, and I think that they are a little too high on their receiving core and maybe a little too high on Ben Roethlisberger still at this point to realize that that's a dumb idea. Maybe in their head they think that they all can still do it and that they have elite receivers that can win them football games with Big Ben. But even if the Bengals are really stout against stopping Najee Harris on the ground, I'd would, I'd put him out wide. I'd, I'd, I'd throw screen passes to him. I'd... Th- I'd halfback tosses get him the ball on the outside like if you can't get it done on the interior against that four-man rotation that the Bengals employ at defensive tackle then get him away from it run him outside throw him the ball on a screen when he's lined up in the slot line him up in the slot have him run a slant I mean if he's not going to be able to get it done on the ground then give him 10 catches in the game you know that that's the way they need to be creative with it and and still get the ball to number 22 even though the traditional sense of doing so isn't working because he's your, he's your best playmaker, uh, both in the passing game and the running game. He's If I had to pick any player on this team to have the ball in their hands in a defender one-on-one, it's, it's Najee, no question. Absolutely. This guy is the—I mean, just watch this tape, Tom. There, if, you, if you pay attention, right, if you, if you just watch, there's no question— that the Steelers did not waste a pick on this guy. Everyone that wants to say, well, the offensive line is so bad and you should have addressed that first, but Najee Harris is the reason the Steelers team, at least a major contributor to the reason this team has five wins on the season so far. With If it if it's a combination of Benny Snell and Tony Mack and Kalen Balaj, I don't think this team has maybe three wins on the year. No, no Tony Mack really happening this year. Yeah, it's true. We thought that was going to be a big But anyway, it, but... I mean, okay, so take that into account as well. It's just a combination of Benny Snell and Kalen Balaj. I don't think this team gets the five wins. Not good enough with that. Feed Najee the ball. Try your best to get him involved in that game plan on offense, on defense. <sighs> Pray. I mean, hold your breath. <laughs> I don't Sack the quarterback. They sure. give up two and a half sacks per game. So at least sack the quarterback. You can if you, do if you If you get T.J. Watt back, there's no reason you shouldn't be getting to Joe Burrow. He missed the game against the Bengals last time around. Burrow was only sacked one time. That'll do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. As always, thank you so much for giving us a listen. Steelers-Bengals in a big one at Paul Brown Stadium at 1 o'clock in Cincinnati on Sunday. Make sure you tune in to that, and make sure you keep tuning in to Jacob Recht and Tom Opferman right here on the Steelers Standard.